Utah's best sports radio is on the Zone Sports Network. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... And it's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Everybody ready? It's Thirsty Thursday. Happy Thursday. Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your Thursday that feels like a Wednesday. Jake Scott with you from Vivint Smart Home Arena. Our studios, beautiful studios, Carrier Zone Studios, Austin Horton across the glass from me, and safely social distancing from Casa de Monson, the one, the only Gordon Monson. Gordon, hello. Hello, Jake. How are you today? I'm hanging in there. I uh, my my morning was lifted by uh, listening to you and PK. You guys had uh, sounded like you had some fun this morning. Well, it's uh, it's always a pleasure to uh, to try to top PK's stories. Is it though? So? <laughs> uh, no, you guys were talking about uh, like uh, elementary school. Uh, yeah, we talked about listening. some of those experiences. We talked about fiddling and faddling around. So yeah, we had fun. Well, good, uh, good. I, uh, I enjoyed listening to it. I, I must say. Did you play uh, Chicken Fat song? No, we did no, not. No. Well, are, are you guys getting up later? Life's full of disappointments. Do under normal circumstances, or have you kept your schedule about the same? Mine has has stayed pretty consistent. Yeah, the kids decide uh, right. if it's staying the same or not. <laughs> For the most part, yeah. That's, that's and funny. she's decided it's staying the same. Right. I mean, <laughs> you know, that breakfast still needs to be made uh, as well, you know, when the kid gets up. So mm-hmm. uh, I wish I was sleeping. Uh, I wish I was sleeping in more during this whole thing. That would be pretty sweet. How about you, Gordon? Getting a lot of naps, are you? <laughs> uh, no. I mean, well, the last Well rested, days. I assume. The last couple of days I've gotten up earlier, uh, but uh, I I have had a tendency to maybe sleep in a little bit. Nothing. I'm not sound like I'm sleeping until nine you know, nine or ten o'clock or something like that. But uh, but eight fifty five. Well, I like how that went from nine to ten there too. How it started out like well until nine, nine to ten o'clock. <laughs> well, generally it's before that, but you know how it is. Yeah. I mean, nor, under normal circumstances, I get up at the crack of dawn, you know, or or thereabouts. Well, you've got nowhere to be, so you can uh, l- let's justify it this way: uh, no commute time, no travel time. You're using that to catch uh, a couple extra winks. That's that's not the worst thing in the world. I was talking to Jake this morning. You know, he's been doing that morning show now for what seven years, something like that, yeah. a long time, whatever it's been. And uh, he gets up really early, uh, and that's not easy to do, man. That, 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 that's you know, I, I don't know what time he gets up, but he's you know underway by four o'clock in the morning, and 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 that's really uh, 
a, a change in your lifestyle. And now after seven years, I mean, he's got it down, but he has to get to bed early. And I asked him because I did the morning show for about four years or so. And uh, I took a I took one of those tests once that indicates to you what whether you're a morning person and uh, an afternoon person or a night person, whatever. And uh, I wasn't a morning person. I'll say it that way. But I've spent a good portion of my life uh, needing to get up early for one thing or another. And uh, But it does take uh, – when I did that morning show, I used to take a nap now and again. I did too. So I, I was a morning show producer on DJ and PK for two years, and mm-hmm. it was awful. Uh, I really, really loved working with those guys. It was a really fun show to be a part of and produce, and uh, you know, Hatch probably will tell you it is to this day. But the the adjust, adjustment in lifestyle, considering that I was twenty, I think I was twenty three years old and uh, living in a house with three other bachelors who were living, uh, let's just say, different times, uh, different time schedules, uh, significantly different than than mine. And, uh, oh, man, I just I just hated getting up that early because you just people will tell you they get used to it. You get used to it. You don't. And so you were going to bed late and getting up early. Yes. Very, very early. And it so was, it was, oh, it was so bad. It was so bad. I mean, did, did you take a lot of naps? So I here was my theory on naps. I mean, this is very engaging conversation, but here was my theory on naps. I never wanted to be reliant on it, so I'd never let myself take a nap two days in a row. Hmm. Does that make sense? Like, I, I would allow myself to take a nap, you know, on uh, on Monday, but if I took a nap on Monday, there was no napping on Tuesday, because I didn't want to get to that point where if for some reason, because I was working, you know, I was young in the business and working sports. I mean, if I was covering practices and doing all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff during the day, so if there came the occasion that I couldn't get a nap, I didn't want to be, like, destroyed, you know, have it uh, life end right there. So I never let myself get used to it. But if you're getting four hours of sleep, Jake, uh, how's that going to work in the long run? It was rough. <laughs> he's, he's paying for I, I it told today. You, yeah. I told you I, I, I really didn't like it, right? I mean, just hating your entire existence for the first half hour you're outside of bed, you know, is just that, miserable. Th- that first five minutes when you have to get up early, when you've been up late, uh, is the word that comes to mind is pain. Yeah, it's awful. Awful. I never got used to it. Well, so you said Hatch has been doing it for seven years, but it looks like he, on on his face, it looks like it's been twenty seven years. Yeah, Hatch. That's is, a long time. Hatch is uh, is actually fifty seven, right? He started he, when he started. He was twenty five, and now he's uh, nearing that uh, senior mark. Yeah. No, the morning shift yeah. is is no joke. Big ups to Hatch. He does a great job too. And and DJ and PK have been doing that morning shift for a long time now. So uh, it's not it's not easy on the lifestyle. Uh, you know, when your day ends at nine <laughs> every day, it's not the best thing in the world. And then yeah, in my in my circumstance, I would go back to a more college like uh, schedule on the weekend. And so, yeah, I mean, it just it, it just didn't it didn't work. You know, Monday through Friday, you get up at four o'clock and then Saturday and Sunday you're sleeping till noon. It, you just. Yeah, you didn't get used to it. You were more thirsty on the weekends, were you? <laughs> I was. I remember going to jazz games, and you know, uh, if I was writing afterward, you know, you get home around you know, late, and uh, you don't go straight to bed. You know, you just sort of wind down. You know, and then you're up really early the next morning. Uh, that'll that'll get to you a little bit. Uh, I, I don't think that's really healthy, is it? 
No. Don't they say that you're supposed to get like seven, eight hours sleep? Most of uh, most of a career in radio is not healthy. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> is that why we all look the way we do? It's, is that the explanation? I don't know if it's an, a, an occupation that really promotes good health. Uh, at that time, too, I the one year, one of the years, I uh, and maybe both years, I was producing DJ and PK. I covered every single jazz game that year, home game, but like one or two. So mm-hmm. I was, uh, and in those days, Gordon uh, and Austin, I I don't know if the the beginning of your producing career overlap with the uh, with the mini disc age barely for a week or two. So now it's it's really slick, right? You you take your recorder down to a press conference, it records onto a onto a, a, a card of some sort, yes. and then you just email it back to the station. It's it's really really easy. Uh, back in that day, Gordon, you you took a mini disc recorder. To practice mm-hmm. or, or a game in this uh, in this instance, and then you had to have you basically recorded on mini disc, drove it back to the station, put it in another mini disc player, rolled in real time onto the computer, then you make cuts and put it into a different computer. So the whole process took some time. Let, let me put it that way. So I was also doing that. So that that didn't get me home until you know after midnight most times. And so then only to roll out of the rack at 4 a.m. and do it again. It was a real pleasure. You know, I, I find that whole idea fascinating about about how certain people really are at their prime at different times of the day. And I don't know if that's just conditional or, or whether there really is something genetic to it uh, or how that works. But if, if I were to say to you, Jake, I need you to be absolutely at your peak mental performance what hour of the day would you pick oh man peak mental performance as soon as this show begins <laughs> um, i knew that was i knew that was coming <laughs> i don't know i I, uh, I would imagine most people fall into the category well i shouldn't say most people actually but i probably a middle of the day type of dude you know okay. give me a couple hours to get going and then yeah. uh, I, I do enjoy my wind down time in the evening. So I'd say right in the middle of the day. Although I, I certainly know morning people that, you know, what's the what's the old Marine adage that they get done a whole day's worth of work before 6 a.m.? How does that go? You know Speaks what I'm talking about, Gordon? Anyway, um, I, I've definitely like my my grandfather on my dad's side was totally a morning person. I mean, he was mm-hmm. up and making it happen. Yeah, that's always fascinated me. Some people who who get up really early and are just going at it, you know, and just able to get their job, get their work done, and and then you know, and then the uh, then the, you know, the, it's, it's nine o'clock in the morning. It's like, how did you do that? How did you do so much? Anyway, well, uh, by the way, it was the U.S. Army. Their slogan, and okay. the slogan is, "In the Army, we do more before nine a.m. than most people do all day." <laughs> Okay. All right. So there you well, go. Well, the early bird get gets the worm, right? right? Hmm. Uh, all right, Gordon. We have a lot. I don't to- know. Does that early bird get the early bird get the worm? Is is that how it works? Really? I mean, are are there worms available all day long? You can have the worms. I'm going to stay asleep. I, I I don't know, Gordon. Maybe that's something you should research <laughs> for your next column. So it's a matter of whether you would re- re- prefer to get some sleep or get up and eat. Well, you're not hungry you, while you're asleep. Well, if you're trying to justify yourself uh, <laughs> sleeping till ten, Gordon, it's all right. Go, no, go right I don't ahead. sleep till ten. It's Believe okay. me, that's uh, that that has. I I would happen. give hundreds of dollars to have the ability to sleep till ten. So I think how often? Once. 
<laughs> just tomorrow. Just tomorrow uh, to be able to to sleep till ten. So, Gordon, here's here's uh, let me uh, let me what is that? Uh, live life vicariously through you, my friend. I want you to sleep till ten this weekend and tell me every enjoyable, wonderful detail. I think if I slept till ten, my body would hurt from laying in bed that long. You well, know? see, the beauty of sleeping till 10 is you don't have to go to bed at 9. Well, that's true. Yeah. Stay up late doing whatever. I'd love to stay yeah. up late and watch a movie. Rabble rousing. Yeah. Well, I may, I may try that as an experiment. Because once you're getting up early in the morning, though, once you do that day after day after day, it's very difficult to break that habit, even on a day when you don't have to get up early. Hmm. You just It's uh, programmed into you. Lots to do today, Gordon. Sam Amick is going to be on the show at the top of uh, the 4 o'clock hour, so stay tuned for Sam. Uh, John Wilner was on uh, the station today. He was on with Hanson Scotty, and I thought his interview was terrific on what's going on in college football as it progresses towards whatever season is going to happen in the fall. He was very, very insightful. We're going to play that. John, John's a Pac-12 expert. Yeah, he was great. Uh, so he'll. Uh, we're going to play that interview for you at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. That's going to be what's going on today. Uh, usually we do clips, but I thought that, that uh, uh, was good, uh, so good. We're going to play the whole thing at the top of the 3 o'clock hour. And then David Locke is going to be on the show at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. And uh, I, I still have not had a chance to listen to it. Um, but David, have you heard about this, uh, Gordon? David found on cassette tape an interview that he did with Jerry Sloan in 1995. And it was, uh, I guess, uh, kind of an in-depth, you, you know, behind-the-scenes lifestyle-type interview. And uh, he got it um, digitally. It transferred to a, a digital uh, format. And he tweeted it out yesterday. And I can't wait to listen to it. I, I, ha- I just haven't had a chance to yet, but I bet it's fascinating. First of all, what does David Locke sound like in 1995? <laughs> oh, probably a lot the way he sounds now. I know, but David had, and he'll admit this. I heard him talk about this on the on the air the other day. David and I remember listening to his shows. He had more of an edge uh, back in the '90s, uh, maybe than he does today. Maybe like no, the rest no. of us, but he he was edgy oh, yeah. back then. That's true. He would say controversial things, uh, but he usually had a good reason. You know, good reasoning. Oh, and he still has his opinions. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. I, you know, the, I think uh, 2020 David is a little different than 95 David. I'd be interested to hear those differences. I remember. I think it was along about 95, 96, somewhere in that range, when uh, I had the uh, the an experience where I did a morning show from David's. David fan, David's family's home in my pajamas. Yeah. Why were, wait, why were you in your pajamas in David's family's home? Because I spent the night there. Oh, okay. You didn't just up. show up in the morning and no, we ring were the bell for, and say, hey, yeah. I'm here in my no, we, satin we pajamas. <laughs> no, we were there covered something and we stayed at David's family's home and, uh, Got up uh, early in the morning and did the did the show, but uh, going back to the nineties like that, yeah, all kinds of interesting memories. Uh, that'll be that'll be interesting to hear what Jerry had to say back then and David too. Maybe uh, um, the first time I did an in depth uh, interview with Jerry Sloan was in nineteen ninety four, and it was kind of it was a it was for a feature that I uh, was uh, preparing for him uh, on him. 
And I, I, I got into some of those things. That's why that'll be so interesting to listen to because, you know, as you live your life and you, you go through year by year, your perspectives on certain things change a little bit. So I bet it'll remind me of what he, uh, what he told me back in the day. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. Uh, so, yeah, we'll talk to David, and maybe we'll, we'll see if we can't get permission from David to, to play that. It would be fun to play on the show. Maybe we'll try and see if we can do that tomorrow. But he, I did notice, and I retweeted it at Jake Scott Zone, that David did get that transferred and, uh, and put that out yesterday. So I can't wait to give that a listen, and we're excited to talk to uh, David coming up at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Gordon, let's, let's get to the split story coming up right around the corner. Let's talk about the latest uh, with the NBA, where we are on the timeline and things that uh, – dominoes that are yet to fall – on the NBA's yeah. return to it's competition. Gonna, it's going to happen, Jake. Yeah, it's it's certainly looking that it's gonna, way. It's going to happen. I, I did read uh, a story that was uh, had voiced some concerns various uh, professional athletes have in various sports and of going back and getting after it again. And some of them are still concerned about their health and other things. But uh, I think on the whole, this thing is uh, is leaning in, in, in a fairly – Strong direction right now for a return to play. And thanks to to Greg Miller, who came on with us yesterday, and we asked him about the upcoming meeting and, and his thoughts. And he admitted that he, he can't share too much uh, for obvious reasons. But I, I thought he gave uh, very good insight on his perspective going into that meeting, too. Yeah, they're going to they're going to make that decision, I think, next week. I think that'll it'll be uh clear for everyone by sometime next week. Let's lay out that timeline coming up next. Stay tuned. It is The Big Show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I think of all the worries people seem to find and how they're in a hurry complicate their minds by chasing after money and dreams that can't come true. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Band of the day today. Uh, I just, oh, the grassroots. Oh, geez. Brought to you, selected by me, brought to you by Live Nation Concerts. Find out the latest tour dates and artist info at LiveNation.com. I'm only listening to the song. And you picked it. And I picked it. <laughs> Jeez. Well, sometimes that happens. Oh, you just had a brain fart. Uh, I can't find it. I can't. The hell with it. <laughs> hey, we have some breaking uh, jazz news. This is nice. Uh, the National Basketball Athletic Trainers Association have named the Utah Jazz Athletic Training Staff co-recipients of the 2019-2020 Joe O'Toole and David Craig Athletic Training Staff of the Year Award. They share the award with the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're both being honored for their diligence and expertise in handling the first NBA case of COVID-19, which included managing the testing of players and staff and coordinating their safe return home. So, uh, you know, that, that was a situation literally... No one on that staff had encountered Gordon, and a uh, little recognition for the training staff for for guiding them through. Man, I'm all for that kind of thing because those guys, they, you know, the the welfare of the players is literally in their minds and hands. Yep. You know, and so they probably don't get the credit they deserve for preserving these athletes, both from an, uh, a health standpoint and from an injury standpoint. And that was such a weird situation. I mean, 
the pressure was on yeah. uh, in that moment. And we've talked about that in the past, how that group rallied around itself and, and protected one another and helped one another. And yeah, okay, that's a nice award. I'm sure, I, I don't know all the details, obviously, but I'm sure they liaised with public health officials there in Oklahoma right. City. And, and uh, you know, it, when everybody looked at somebody, you know, what do we do now? You know, you look at the training staff and if they go, I don't know. You know, that's that's tough. So I, I'm glad they're getting some recognition because I'm sure they um, uh, it, that was a, a tough night for everybody. Uh, and well, I, I've, talked to enough, I've talked to enough athletes through the years, Jake, that they really do trust those trainers. To, 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 and, and you know how athletes are usually in in tune with their bodies and, uh, and they depend on those guys to have their body, help their bodies heal, help their bodies be where they need to be in order for them to perform. And, and that's, they, they, they depend on those guys. And then from a trainer standpoint, I remember talking to various trainers through the years and sometimes, you know, obviously uh, are always, almost always, they're the first ones on the scene when somebody gets injured and uh, I talked to a trainer once who said these athletes sometimes have been have suffered through injury and sometimes they haven't. But they, they view themselves as being somewhat immortal almost. And when that first significant injury hits, uh, man, that's, that's something to deal with. And they're there to help. So good for them, man. All right, uh, Gordon. So that that's good news about the Jazz, and we'll we'll talk about the NBA more here in a moment. But th- this is some more breaking news, and this could have some effect on uh, on the Salt Lake Bees. So uh, Jeff Passan, who's major covers Major League Baseball for ESPN, uh, just had this tweet a couple minutes ago. Gordon says across baseball, hundreds of minor league players were cut today and lost their jobs. Sources tell ESPN hundreds more will be released over the next week. In the end, upward of 1,000 players could see their baseball careers end. The minor leagues have simply been de- devastated. He adds, in normal years, cuts happen, but not in mass like this. The fallout from the coronavirus expe- uh, expected minor league base- baseball contraction and the anticipated cancellation of the 20. 20- 2020 minor league season promoted or uh, prompted organizations each to release dozens of players who were being paid $400 a week. Well, that's the perfect storm to punctuate dreams man, or to punch them out. And yeah, that's, that's minor league baseball depends on the gate. Yep. It depends on the, they, their mission is twofold. Develop those players and and keep the uh, enterprise alive by getting people to come to the games. And if people can't come to the games, obviously that that that, that cripples it. You know, obviously those tweets are light on specifics, and we don't know specifically how it's going to affect, say, the owls or the raptors or the bees. But um, that's not good. That's not good. That's uh, that's. For those of us who have uh, been in sports a long time, been around baseball, been around the minor leagues, uh, that's heartbreaking. It really is. Uh, but but it's you can see it coming because people aren't walking through the gate. Did I uh, uh, did I ever tell you uh, the story about my grandfather? How he was uh, he was drafted by the Cincinnati Reds out of high school. And uh, mm-hmm. as he was uh, preparing to enter his minor league career, he was drafted by Uncle Sam at the same time and instead ended up headed for North Africa. 
Is that right? And when he got back, they told him he was too old. He got back, you know, two years later, I think, uh, and they told him he was too old. He was only like 20. What years are we talking about here? Uh, well, the U.S. entered uh, the war in, what, Gordon, 41? Yeah, well, Pearl Harbor happened December 7th, 1941. So uh, probably we're talking about 1942, somewhere in there. Hmm. You know, yeah. minor, I mean, minor league baseball is, is just such a, a big I know, part of our society, right? I mean, it, part of our community right here, that's for sure. And opportunities, you mentioned dreams dying, I mean... The it's U.S. Uh, uh, part in North Africa started in, in May of '42. So, so that's where you're talking about. There. Yep. There you go. Anyway, uh, that's well, that's not great news for minor league baseball, and we'll we'll follow uh, the story as it uh, makes its way here to our community with our great um, our great minor league teams. Um, and and he passing alluded to it, Gordon. You know, the minor league system was headed for some reform one way or another. But Bernie Sanders, right. of all people, made a really big deal about it. But this mm-hmm. just, I mean, this this just, I guess, speeds everything up and makes everything more extreme. I mean, I I would guess. That AAA baseball will still be necessary in some way, shape, or form when things return to normal. But these, you know, rookie league single A teams, you know, that, that, like the Raptors, for example, that's a beautiful ballpark up there in Ogden. I mean, just gorgeous. Yeah, and, we've done shows from up there, and I've seen games up there. Yeah, beautiful place to watch a baseball game. You know, that's a, that's a park that needs a team. Yeah. Yes, it does. But, uh, how it's all going to come together, I don't know. You think they'll have like independent teams? They'll have a team, unaffiliated teams. So uh, I, I don't know what it's going to look like. That was that was kind of the idea when they started talking about this stuff. Is okay, a, a team like since we're talking about the Raptors, uh, the Raptors, for instance, it, uh, they could operate their uh, if they got the gate, they could operate their own independent thing. But but why this is a big deal is because Major League Baseball pays the salaries of the minor league players. So the, the, the bees, for example, don't have to worry about the payroll. I mean, it's, it's the structure of, of how, this thing, uh, how this thing works. So could a team like the Raptors afford to exist if major league, the Major League Baseball parent club wasn't paying the salaries of its players? And maybe some sure could, a, but I don't know. I'm not sure that's always the case at lower levels of minor league uh, ball that, uh, that the major league teams pay the salaries. Is that, is that always the case? I, I, I'm not sure. I, that. you know what? I'm not 100 percent sure either. So I don't want to uh, paint myself into a corner. But I believe if you're affiliated, then uh, yeah, or at least portions of the salaries. I thought it was pretty much 100 percent, but I could be wrong. Well, uh, the point is that there are young players out there who have a dream, who are trying to uh, develop themselves into, uh, and we see that happen. We see guys who develop through the the farm systems and they make it to AAA and then they make the jump into the major leagues. And if they don't have that opportunity, then some players are going to miss out on what they, uh, what they are determined to make it get accomplished. And from, from the fans perspective, I don't know Jake, you and I have talked about this and Austin's familiar with it as well. We'd love going out to the ballpark. Very much. I know it's not major league baseball, but it's pretty good. It's and awesome. even when it's not at the top level of the minor leagues, you know, whether it's triple A or rookie ball or whatever it is, it's fun just to go out and watch uh, a top percentage of players, or else they wouldn't be pros, uh, playing the game and, and watching the competition and having a good time at the ballpark. That's 
If I told you, Jake, what do you, if you don't have anything to do on a on a Utah summer night, that's got to be near the top of the list of, of pleasant things to do. Absolutely, and that particular ballpark is gorgeous with that backdrop, and the the that ballpark has stood the test of of time incredibly well. I mean, it's. It's still in very great shape, and the amenities are terrific. And you know, the food has gotten really, really good over the uh, the past several years. And yeah, that's it marks summer, right? You know, we we yeah. just got through Memorial Day, and that's the kind of the unofficial beginning of or official beginning of summer. And uh, you, you know, usually a, a night out at the ballpark is a big part of a lot of our summers around here. And I I would it would really be a shame for that to not be the case in the future in some way, shape, or form. But so I, I'm this... worried about it. And by the way, Austin looked it up. Major League Baseball pays the pays for the play. Yeah, and along those lines, yesterday the Oakland A's told Yahoo Sports starting uh, after April 31st, or excuse me, May 31st, the A's will not be paying any of their minor league ball players after May 31st. So that's, as Jeff Passan put, the, the hundreds of that are being cut. The, the entire A's farm system is a part of that. Right. So what happens? These guys go out and get jobs and uh, maybe go take some BP in the evening if they can. Try yeah. to keep themselves. That's, that's kind of what they bri- do already, bridge, right? Bridge the gap between uh, what's going on right now until maybe an opportunity a year from now. Yeah, that's, that's uh, what they do already, though. They, they are teachers or, or policemen or whatever during the off season, and then they go play ball during the season for twenty grand. With the exception of the big bonus guys right. who are, you know, are high, highly thought of prospects. Right. Hmm. But, wow, that's that's rough news. That affects a whole lot of good athletes. Yep, that's rough news. And just opportunities uh, opportunities lost. I mean, that, that number seems staggering. A thousand minor league players are going to well, be in like the wind. You, like you said, Jake, the contraction was going to happen uh, to some extent. Right. But not like this. Yep. I mean, that's that's... You're you're compensating a lot of players in that structure. Then yeah. they were headed for reform, but this is this is making it more severe and certainly speeding up the process. And um, it, it's it's a bit of a shame. It 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 really is. Um, Gordon, let's switch gears a little bit. We plan to talk about the NBA, and let's move into that uh, that conversation as we're inching along the timeline of a possible return. And just to catch everybody up with where we are today, the league is holding a general managers meeting. And then tomorrow, as we talked to Greg Miller about yesterday on the show, tomorrow they'll have a Board of Governors meeting. Now, we learned a little bit more today from the Milwaukee Bucks owner who said on CNBC that they will be presented with options tomorrow, Gordon, and they will vote on them next week. So don't expect anything solid coming out of tomorrow. We're looking more forward to next week. But that's that's the timeline of decision making for the NBA right now. I imagine that it's going to fall somewhere along the lines of what we've been talking about, these various models of uh, having 16 teams and go straight into the postseason or have some sort of round-robin tournament or some sort of uh, qualification for those lingering teams in the West. Teams in the East don't seem to have much of a chance if you're not already among the top eight. And then and then move from there. Uh, that seems the way the thing is leaning. Uh, I'm of the opinion that I think they should go straight to the postseason, but that's me. I heard Joe Ingles say to PK this morning that he thought the basketball would be better if they did it the other way and included some regular season games. Uh, I, I just think there are complications with that. They could muddy the uh, the competitive 
aspect to the games and and people wanting to see teams that are duly motivated uh that might not happen it might in a couple of cases but uh i think it could get a drab in a hurry and that's why i would be eager just to go ahead and start the postseason i would guess that adam silver has a preferred way of doing it um he'll probably throw out a number of different options because he he does have to get a consensus amongst his owners and you're trying, you know, every owner has a different uh, set of um, you know, priorities, I'm sure. Um, but I bet Adam Silver has one that he, he wants to do. He'll introduce it tomorrow and then spend the weekend whipping votes, and then that's what they'll do next week. Well, there's two considerations here. The first one is preparing guys to be able to enter that postseason and play as at a level that's uh, – if not where they would have been, at least approaching that. And the other is money. Right. And so are you going to just play some regular season games to to, to get to that 70-game level so you can get that money? Or are you going to have other things in mind? I I don't know what they'll do. I just know what I would do. See, I I would uh, I would bring everybody out back and just play until we get to the that seventy and that's the playoff chase we'll get and then just go into the playoffs. I, but I don't I don't the logistics of adding more people to the bubble is something to be considered and and I don't have that I don't have that uh, you know that answer. And there's also been information how they've been talking about allowing certain family members to to come be a part of what's going on. And uh, didn't I read somewhere where they were talking about hotel rooms and whatnot, that as teams are eliminated, then more family members will be able to move in with uh, various players? Which makes sense. Yeah. Which which makes sense. Yeah, you got to think about it. I mean, you know, these teams are six, seven, eight games away from 70. So, I mean, you could probably knock out eight games in a couple of weeks. But do you really want to, other than for the money? Well, I think that's. I mean, I, I think that's the motivation at this point. What do you mean by want to? I guess what are you what are you asking me? Well, uh, again, I think it's going to get sloppy, and I I, I don't know. I, I mean, it's not my money, so uh, maybe it's easy for me to say that. But uh, uh, I think it would be cleaner, more competitive, and. Uh, better all around if you just included the 16 teams and went full bore. See, I, I don't know about the more competitive part. I, I tend to I, I'm with Joe Ingles. We talked about this yesterday. I think they're going to need games to get it to get it back. I mean, I think they're going to need to play some games and why not have those games go to a, a purpose of salvaging you know, a, a, a large revenue source. But but again, but that you, comes down. Do I know. Want, do, do you want just those, the playoff plus, or do you want to include everybody in the league? I'd bring everybody back, but I don't know the exact. I don't. I don't know the exact financials there because they're going to have to balance that with you know the logistics of it, and that kind of coming back to that. I I don't know you know how extensive those logistics are. I mean, if you look at it like okay, to bring just the playoff teams back. Yeah, it's going to take X amount of tests, right? Uh, let's just say 15,000. I don't know, but let's just say that. Uh, but if you want to bring everybody back, it's uh, going to be an extra 10,000 on top of that. Well, you're already buying 15 anyway, so what's another 10? You know what I mean? I, I don't know the, the logistics to the value. You know, because if, if, if you can expand the logistics from 20 teams 
to the whole league, and it's really not that big a deal because you're in Disney World, which apparently is 40 square miles, and you've got hotel rooms coming out your ears. So you know, might as well, uh, you know, might as well accommodate more people. I don't, I don't know, I don't know how difficult that is. You know, but, and I don't okay, know how expensive you, that is. I'm if not you sure. bring them all back, Jake, what are you going to do with uh, the Golden State Warriors at this point in time? Make them go you know? play. What, what do you well, mean? What are you going to do? This is where I, 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 I don't understand some of folks' objections, is that ga- that NBA teams play meaningless games all the time. Why yeah, are we, why a, are we so a, alarmed a, about it a, now? Because it's the Achilles heel. What is? Of professional sports. Games that don't matter. Well, uh, I mean, it could matter for the other team. It could matter for who Golden State's playing. Well, that's true. And, and an example of that would be uh, the, the Pelicans have the easiest schedule, right, of the remaining seven games or whatever it is. And so their likelihood of being able to qualify for the playoffs uh, goes up. And it is kind of unfair, I will concede, that uh, they had some of their easier opponents toward the back part of the schedule Whereas maybe some of the other teams have played easier teams to be able to post a better record than they have done uh, to this juncture. So I, I do get that. But I do. I just wonder how it's going to go when teams show up to play with no motivation to be there. Well, and well, the, player, the players don't want to be there. It's, uh, it, it could lead to a bad product. But, I mean, the Warriors were the only team in the league that were officially eliminated from the playoffs. So if this were normal circumstances, we w- they wouldn't be making the argument to just pack it in. We're eliminated. What do we have to play for? So uh, we'll see you next year. Well, but teams I mean, we don't... do that anyway. What's that? Teams kind of do that sometimes anyway. Well, we're, I don't. I don't care if they're faking it. What difference does it make? Just you got to play the game. I don't. I don't care if your heart's in it. It makes no difference to me. We. That's 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 reality of the NBA. Is some nights, you know, you look at players out there, I, uh, and their heart's not in it. You know, well, and, and we're, we don't complain about it then. Anthony, I mean, look. Oh at, yes, we do. We've complained about that in past years. But we teams. nobody because is, you have you have some teams that are trying to position for for better uh, playoff situation, and then you have teams who don't care, and they're they're essentially packing it in. But I have never once heard anybody advocate for just ending the season for those teams, yeah, and that's know, like the and that's there's the, never been a year like this. Too. No, 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 there 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 has not. But that's the that's the I guess uh, logic that people uh, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. All of a sudden, the most important thing that we're considering is that teams have something to play for. Like, well, why is that all of a crappy, sudden the most important thing in the because, world? Yeah, because you've had a three-month layoff longer than that by the time they're actually playing games again. How are the Atlanta Hawks going to react to that? How are the Cleveland Cavs going to show up? Who cares? What? Just show up. <laughs> show up so they can put it on TV and then we so we can watch something. Yeah, Just but show I mean, up. Who cares? Not, it's, it's not going to be good. So, you know what? I I still want to – who's even on the Cavs anymore? I still want to watch Kevin Love play basketball. Bring it on. And and if if he if he doesn't care about the game, it, the least he could do for me is go out there and fake it a little bit. <laughs> it's interesting you bring up the Cavs because Larry Nance Jr. has been out there talking about because he's got a pre-existing condition, an underlying condition, yeah. I should say, and that has him worried. But uh, Look, he said he's pl- still going to play. If a player doesn't want to play, and, and this goes for any league. If a player is feels like he's compromised and is in a situation where he doesn't feel comfortable, I, I don't think he should have to. 
Well, somebody, some, somebody will object. I, I bet you one of these sports is going to have to tackle that issue. And I, w- yeah. I would hope that they would just say, fine, uh, you know, but your, your already prorated salary might go down to zero. But th- at that point, you just tell them to fake an injury, right, and sit it out. Well, I tell you, I'm really excited to see the Minnesota T-Wolves play. I can't wait. But how is that different than any other year? That's what, I guess that's what I'm saying. Why is that, it's why is that all of a sudden Jake. the biggest priority? Because these, te- these teams have had it in park for three months. So what? Jeez. It's so, going to be ugly. It's it, going to be it's it not will be ugly. ugly. It's going to be ugly. The basketball, be will so be, the basketball will be ugly, but that's, that's unavoidable. And if they get some regular season games to get their feet under them, then the playoffs won't be quite so ugly. Mm. All right. But you know you what? Say so. There's a well. I'm not. I'm not trying to win. We're just debating here. You're giving me the yeah, W. I, 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 I'll take the I, W. That's fine. Do I get I a medal? Can see, I can see the hole. You know, <laughs> okay. See. Yes, I won. <laughs> Does this mean you have to do incriminating audio? No. Oh, come on. Uh, no, I. I mean, just to put a bow on this, if they only did the 16 teams uh, and and playoff, it, it really wouldn't surprise me. And and again, I think the the biggest linchpin in this whole discussion is the logistics of it. I mean, how many people can you bring back at what cost? And and that probably is what it will come down to. I believe, I think the fewer teams you bring back, the better just for logistics and, and uh, risk and all that sort of thing. I think that is in definitely in that le- side of the ledger. And I, I think it would, you could prepare these playoff teams in a, in a mini training camp, I, I think you can get those guys pretty well ready to go. I, I, I'm not a big believer in preseason games. I don't think it really is all that helpful. I'm not a coach, so but coaches would always want those things. I don't like it in football. I don't like it in basketball. Say so just just put on the uniform and go play. But prepare for it with uh, rugged scrimmages, whatever's necessary in your in your facility or wherever you're you're working out. Get the guys in shape, get them uh, getting up and down the floor, get them handling the ball, get them running the offense and uh, doing what's necessary to put them in a position uh, physically to play and uh, and then go play. There, that. But put that on TV and call it a game. <laughs> exactly what you just described, That, but, yeah, but, but televise you could, it you and call it those, a game. You could do those things with inter-squad, inter-squad scrimmages, man. Well, then put and, that on TV. Call it a game. Uh, I guess you could if people are that hungry for it. Uh, Sven tweets and he says, Gordon's concern about sloppy NBA play is ridiculous. At this point, I'd watch the Hunter 12th Ward play. <laughs> Just put well, it on good, TV. Good, good for Sven. I know a guy that plays on the 112th Ward. Uh, I, I know a His guy His stories too. are legendary. Legendary. You, you know that cone drill that they did in Hoosiers? Put that on TV. I'd watch that. I'd rather watch Give me a, a shuttle run. I'd rather watch a high school game where both teams really are motivated to win than an NBA game involving the New York Knicks. Really? Not if, that, if, that, if that team doesn't want to play, if they're just going to go through the motions and, as you say, fake it, Where's where's the joy in watching that? You haven't watched a high school basketball game lately, have yeah, you? Right. Uh, and, while, and, but and my memory of it is good. If you're watching the no Knicks. shot clock, no, not a lot of shooting. <laughs> and and with the Knicks, I get to practice saying the name Nilakina. How do you? Yeah. <laughs> Look, I love sports for the competition. 
I don't want to go watch a game where one team doesn't want to be there. Well, that happens all the time. That's my point. I know, and I don't like it. All right, stay tuned. More Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Gordon, I was just uh, having Austin explain to me the the social media controversy that's out there uh, today that I've been seeing all over the Twitter. And uh, I don't know, Gordon, do you think Gordon's going to... If censorship on uh, on Twitter is taken away, is all of a sudden Gordon sending out uh, bikini brief pics? Is that what we can expect from you now? No, as much as uh, as much as there's a demand for that, I I will decline. You will stay. Uh, okay. Well, I'm trying to follow that then story. Why do I have a Twitter? Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna, you, <laughs> that's what Twitter's for. <laughs> Gordon, why Monson, do I follow your bikini brief pics? Uh, are you still in the the briefs in the bathrobe? That that is honestly how I've pictured you uh, throughout uh, all of our time apart. Not one time have I done a show like that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's you know how you have certain like when you read a book Gordon and you have a, a character pictured in your mind uh that's that's what I'm picturing when I'm talking to you you just slouched over, like like uh sitting with poor posture in a chair with a open bathrobe and bikini briefs no I don't do that because I always am ready for action ready to uh to to uh, take care of whatever needs taken care of and you can't do that in a bathroom <laughs> Well, I guess you can take care of some things, but that, you know, I mean, I'm talking about anything. Can I tell me if you think that this is weird? All right. I always try and read the book before I see a movie because I want to picture a character the way I want to picture it. And if I read a book after a movie or like a, a sequel, like if you want, I, I watched the first Lord of the Rings movie before I, I read any of the books. Uh-huh. And so I, I, Legolas was Orlando Bloom every time as I'm as I'm reading the book, as opposed yeah. to if you read it first, you get to generate your own image of the characters. I get exactly what you're saying. Let your mind use your imagination. Don't have Hollywood put that image into your into the story. But this is you. why I think everybody's always disappointed with movies made about their favorite books, is because you see the movie portrayal and you're like, no, that's not it. Did they even read the book? That's not it at all. Every once in a while, you'll see one that is superior, actually. But usually, you're right. Yeah, because the the screen in your brain is more vivid than the screen in a movie theater, in my opinion. I I went to the Book of Mormon musical. It was nothing like the book. (laughs) Nothing. It's like they hadn't even read it. There was way more music and other words. Some cursing. There is a power to the written word that is difficult to explain. Wait, I, I'm. Uh, what's an example? And I'm sure they are out there. But what's the example where you're talking about where the movie portrayal was better than your internal uh, portrayal of a book? Well, let's go to Mr. Hollywood, Mr. Movie. What do you think? Well, but I'm but not Mr. Is, book. This is like a personal thing, though, right? I mean, um, there's no huh. right answer to this question. I, there was one that I saw 
at one point where that thought went through my mind. I can't think of it right now. I, I, like, I will it, give it, you it one. It is relatively rare. I'll give you one, and it won't make Jake happy, and it won't make a lot of people happy. But I would ra- much rather watch the Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe movies than read those books again. Okay. I Even though they're great books. I haven't done either. So, oh, I, really? No, oh. I haven't. Uh-uh. That's surprising to me. Uh... The one I'm conflicted on, Gordon, is is The Godfather, because The Godfather, the movies, are, are considered legendary, and the book, not so much. But the book had so much more information that I, I'm kind of torn on that. But usually that's the example people point to, is that the, the Godfather movies were better than the book. Well, the the information of which you speak, there's that fine line of giving just the right amount of information, because sometimes books can get bogged down with too much detail. So you got to have just the right amount in there to keep the story moving and and yet informative and entertaining as well. So, but the movie yeah. in the in the Godfather's they cut off the they cut out one of the best storylines in the book. Maybe that's why I'm conflicted because the book Which, follows Johnny Fontaine's storyline all the way through the okay. the Frank Sinatra character. All right. And that's pretty interesting because it, it, it exactly parallels Frank Sinatra's life. It's, it's Well, it's hard to, to argue with The Godfather and Godfather 2. I mean, now, Godfather two, 3, uh, yeah, we should, we should forget that movie was ever made. Fell off the cliff there a little bit. But. Big time. All right. want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st Century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Uh, we'll have more Big Show. We're going to let you hear from John Wilner. He was on with Hanson Scotty earlier today. That's next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.